Hi everyone, my name is Alistair Wheat from Onalytica. I'm delighted to be joined here by Sarah Goodall and Daniel Guzman, and I'll let them introduce themselves in a moment. Um, we're going to be talking today about employee advocacy and influencer marketing. Two areas there, there's been a lot of uh, stuff written, a lot of stuff talked about these uh, big themes, but how do they work when they are connected together? And do they actually, does employee advocacy programs uh, help influence marketing programs and vice versa? So uh, before we go into asking some questions, um, I'd like, first of all, Sarah, to tell us a bit about yourself. What's your background? How did you get into this space? So, uh, yeah, so I'm Sarah Goodall. I work for a company called Tribal Impact and my background is marketing. So I've always worked in marketing uh, in the B2B sector, mainly in technology. So started with IBM, uh, finished with uh, SAP and worked for Hitachi in between. So I've kind of always worked in the tech sector. Um, and my journey into advocacy started probably about 10 or 11 years ago. Um, it's about two, 11 years ago, 2009. I remember it because... I remember sitting here thinking all this social media stuff, you know, and everybody kept saying, oh, it's just for celebrities, you know, and I'm thinking, nah, <laughs> there's something in this. And SAP gave me the opportunity to go explore. Um, and I did for about seven years and just tried to grow a social culture internally. Um, and that led me to get involved in the social selling program and the employee advocacy program. And then five years ago, I took voluntary redundancy and started Tribal Impact. And now we help other organizations socially activate their, their employees too. So that's me. Great. Thank you. Danielle, how about you? Absolutely. My name is Danielle Guzman and I'm the global head of social media for Mercer. And uh, I, my history is interesting. I've been uh, working in the employee advocacy space since late 2017, so not that long ago. Um, my journey before then has always been predominantly in kind of the marketing and broader business development, really relationship-based businesses. I was at AIG before joining Mercer for 10 years um, in a series of roles there. And then prior to that, I was in the insurance industry, continuing with Guardian Life Insurance and a couple small boutique consultancy firms. Um, since being at Mercer, I have moved into the social media space, which is incredibly exciting and kind of at the forefront, in my opinion, of where all the um, marketing and business development is heading into. And I think our colleagues across the globe play an instrumental role in that success. So excited for today's conversation. Great. Thank you both. And I would just say a little, uh, little heads up for anyone listening. We're all working from home and we've all got uh, kids <laughs> around the, the house somewhere. Um, hopefully they won't scream too loudly. I'm hoping my kids don't start fighting each other. Um, so uh, yes, we're all gonna. This is uh, different times for these sort of uh, webinars. So we'll we get on. Makes us human, I think. Yeah, I know. We're, so we're gonna try and just do our jobs, right, and uh, do some content marketing. So uh, here we go. Uh, first question, right? So everyone listening hopefully knows um, what well the basics of what employee advocacy is all about, and hopefully everyone's got some idea of what influencer marketing is about. But um, what about those two when they're combined? Where is the intersection? What is a kind of a hybrid program of employee advocacy and influence marketing? Uh, so, uh, Danielle, actually, do you want to maybe kick us off with uh, telling us some, some, what are your thoughts about where these two big sort of trendy themes actually start to cross over? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to me, um, that's where the magic happens, frankly. Um, and I think it's almost, I look at it as a curve. And even when we look at our organization across the globe, we have, we're at different stages, depending on what country you're looking at. 
Um, most often, as, as you know, most organizations just start with your traditional employee advocacy and really all you are in the infancy is you're, you're just broadcasting. So you're, you're similar to a brand channel, but you're an individual and you're broadcasting most often corporate uh, content. Um, and so what I love is that you continue on that trajectory and colleagues kind of go through a maturity and start building their own personalities into that content and start balancing out what they're sharing with their, their own thoughts and points of view on that content, integrate their own pieces on top of that. They really start becoming influential within their organization. Um, and then what we like to look at is then consider who are the communities that we're serving, the clients that we're serving, um, and who are the external influencers in those communities that are really leading with their own thought leadership and points of view, and how can we connect the dots with our colleagues and these external communities. And, and that really now allows for a really relationship-based conversation, um, taking the in, going internally and externally two ways. And I certainly think that that's where there's so much value add for our colleagues because it gives them opportunities that wouldn't have otherwise materialized for them to build their professional um, personas externally, helps them with their objectives, both personally and professionally. And from an influencer perspective, it also helps them because they're now able to not necessarily always be in a monetary relationship with an organization, but truly have an authentic, organic relationship that helps them gain what their focus and objectives are at the same time as being able to help the organization. And, and to, to us, that's important because sometimes, as you know, as long as you have a monetary relationship, the minute that stops, the whole relationship ends. And I like to build things that are more sustainable and people are investing their time in doing that because they truly believe in it and they want to do that. And when we connect our employees and influencers together, we kind of tilt the scale a little bit it now becomes truly relationship-driven as opposed to more of a transactional program. Great. Couldn't have said it Thanks. better myself. Honestly, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so, Shall we yeah. just stop the call? Yeah, let's just now. stop them right there. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> I love it. Because but it takes I, a lot of work. <laughs> it, it does. And also, it's not, um, it's not so black and white, you know, I don't think, you know, it's not like make this call, get this meeting, you know, it's not, there's not this cause and effect. It is, it takes time. Um, it takes relationships, you know, it takes uh, effort um, on both sides. And not every employee is ready for that. So I think probably where, I don't know whether we're going to touch on this, Alistair, but I think there is this uh, preconceived idea that, you know, leaders, managers, executives, they all need to be influencers, right? So we're going to do that. We're going to make them mm. influencers. But actually, some of your best influencers yeah. can bubble up in your advocacy programs. Um, your most authentic experts, the ones that, you know, they, they can naturally find their way. I'm not saying executives and leaders can't because they can. They can be really good. But there are other people as well as different layers. And I love the idea of authentic, credible relationships with external influencers that is, is a two-way thing. You know, they get access to internal experts and the internal experts get to talk to some of their probably, you know, the people that they look to as experts in the field. I mean, it's just a great way to build relationships and just makes it a bit more authentic, I think. So. Yeah, and I, I love the point you make, Sarah, as well around um, it's not who they are. Quite often we get stuck with, you know, you see who maybe your top uh, internal advocates are, 
by geography or perhaps by a certain topic area. And the response is often like, well, those aren't my business leaders or these aren't the people that are driving our, our sales, et cetera. I need these people to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And we, we, it, I think we're in, the, in a time now where anyone can be whomever they want to be. And it's not a matter of who you are kind of professionally or hierarchically, but it's the value you bring and the relationships you have and the investment that you put into your community. Um, and I think that's an amazing thing because it's for the first time a flat organization when you think of employee advocacy and everyone has the exact same opportunity. It's all about how much it means to you and what you're going to invest into yourself and how you're going to give back to the community that you serve. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And also just looking about it from the other way around, like if someone's starting with an influencer marketing program, so they are, engaging with external influencers and maybe they're creating content with them or they're and again you know by influencers we're not just talking about you know the quote-unquote professional influencers we're talking about people in all sorts of uh, uh walks of life who just have uh, a, a persona that people look to as being an expert or uh you know creative content creator and brands are looking to engage with these sorts of people but it's also great to see how sometimes the best way to engage with these influencers when it's done in a kind of an organic way is not necessarily from a kind of central organized marketing function. It's sometimes these kind of just this porous relational uh, matrix where there's just people from your organization talking with influencers and building those relationships. And then the marketing team might go, actually, hey, look, you know, it's good you've already got a connection with that influencer. We'd like to invite them to an event rather than us sending them an invite. Why don't you, know, you talk to them because you actually know them? So it's yeah. a... It's great to see that, that that can also be a very powerful way of, uh, of building up organically uh, relationships with external influences. Um, we've touched on this a bit already, but um, hopefully you can't hear my kids screaming in the background right now. <laughs> Don't worry, I've just realised I've got a unicorn picture uh, behind me, so okay. that's a bit embarrassing. I need to <laughs> get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I've, I've, I've got a double heart on my desk here, so... Uh, I wonder what he thinks uh, in a moment. But uh, <laughs> I'd be lying if I told you I was not in the same situation. <laughs> oh, oh, it's oh, the great. world we live in. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We're all going to remember 2020. Well, we are. <laughs> oh, well. So what was I going to say? Oh, yes. I was oh, yeah. going to Sorry. ask. Um, <laughs> we've touched on this a bit already, but um, I was wondering what does, uh, you know, first from an organizational point of view, what is that a good employee advocacy program look like when it's kind of intentionally being done to, to kind of link with external influences? Uh, maybe Sarah, you want to kick us off on that one? Yeah, so I, uh, the, I think there's a misconception actually that, um, you know, advocacy is about just the broadcasting thing, Danielle, that you were talking about, you know, it's like, right, all employees, we've told you for years not to talk on social media, but now actually we want you to talk on social media and here's a tool that's going to let you blast out all our content and, you know, and then it becomes noisy and, and I think quite often organizations make that mistake a little bit um, and then they quickly realize as soon as things plateau and even nosedive that actually this perhaps wasn't the right way to do it. So then we end up getting involved in relaunching it. For me, it has to be, for me, employee centric. You have to think about what's in it for the employee to really win the hearts and minds. This is a very tricky, complex uh, program. You are teetering on the edge of, you know, employee motivations, engagement in the brand, their purpose and role within the company. And then you're also asking them to align that to the company brand purpose values, you know. So you are on the edge of something here. This is not just a, hey, can you just share some content? This is, hey, we want you to be part of the heart of the company. 
company. So it's a bigger, it's a bigger, more complex program than just buying a tool and shoving some content in it. Um, where it comes to influence though, and how an influencer program ties into advocacy, I think it's very much ties back to what you said, Danielle, about the, the, the maturity of an employee. You know, they'll start with like a social zero, they'll have nothing, they don't know where to start. Um, they might start engaging, liking, then they might start sharing, and then they might even start writing and creating their own content. Um, and at that point, I think you can look into your advocacy tool data and you can start looking at behaviors. You can start looking at the people that are getting good engagements for every share, getting good clicks for shares. You know, the mindful sharers, the ones that aren't just spamming it out, but the ones that are thinking about what they're sharing and does that align to my brand. They're the people that you could then bubble up as like, uh, into an influencer activation program. And I think this is where, for me, the social media maturity of an employee naturally moves into that area um, and the data can help inform that. So be interested to see what Danielle's view on that is. Yeah. No, I, I think, I mean, you hit on, I, I was nodding my head as you're speaking that we fully agree. Um, and I think I, what I love the most is kind of two things. One, I always like to think that as an employee of an organization, you rent your brand to the organization. So I always want to make a very clear distinction to colleagues that you are not a megaphone for the brand you work for. Because if that's the case, you're not doing yourself any good. You're not putting yourself first. The organization is not putting you first. And, and frankly, to your point that you mentioned, it's going to peak and then it's going to just drop straight down. Um, because quickly people are going to realize that these individuals don't have uh, a real authentic channel. They have an agenda that is being driven by an organization. So I think authenticity and their own personal voice is so critical. And then I love the other kind of element you were talking about. And I like to look at them as personas, really. So as you were describing, when we when we look at an employee advocacy program, you, you have to understand that everyone is coming to this from a different point of view. So if you have 20,000 people in your organization, don't strive for 20,000 people in your employee advocacy program. I mean, strive for maybe, maybe 10%. And then the 1% of that 10% will be the ones that will truly be engaging with the influencer community, but then make everyone feel welcome. So yes, you will have those colleagues that to your point, Sarah, will just go in and click, share, click, share, click, share. And we may never be able to move beyond that. And that's where they're comfortable and that's what they really enjoy doing. So then we help them do that in the most effective way. And then you kind of have the next group that may slightly modify suggested share messaging to personalize it, but in a, in a very kind of rigid way. And so you kind of start determining what these different personas are of individuals and their behaviors, and then you invest in each of them differently. And then ultimately when it comes to the external two-way conversations, um, I absolutely agree with you. That's when you have like that really elite community that is truly sharing their own voice, uh, starting to develop original content, and is also kind of understanding of that two-way conversation. Um, I think it's a difficult leap sometimes to go from, oh, it's not just putting my stuff out there. I actually have to engage with communities and reciprocate back and give back. And, and I think that's a very different mindset than kind of the original intent that a lot of organizations maybe start with. Um, but I think, I think the, the most important part is it's kind of not vanilla and, and you really need to determine what you're trying to accomplish and then how can you best do that within the organization that you work in. 
Yeah, and I and just to add to that, you've got to also you you mentioned you know people are coming at this from different places, right? And they move at different paces. We've got different generations that learn in different ways. So they have different roles, um, different motivations. Do you know what I mean? You are adding layer to layer to layer of complexity on top of this thing. And by the way, some are starting at social zero. Some are already at social hero. So let's just you know when you see all of this, it becomes quite a complicated mix and. Um, it's not one size fits all. Here's the tool. Download the app. Click share. You know, it's just more than that. Um, you've got to do more than that. Alistair, are you still here? I'm still here. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just wondering whether you need to be on this call. Yeah, I'm just, just, just going to go get some popcorn. And, and, and I just, absolutely uh, <laughs> love the from social zero to social hero, Sarah. That that's that's one to keep. Well, that's I like brilliant. your uh, you know being authentic rather than having an agenda. I like that as well. Yeah. What about anything I've said? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Alistair. It's okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I, have, I have more questions, though. Yes. Oh, okay. So, um, because I want to pick up some of the stuff you've been saying about how, you, you know, so you have these uh, employees who, you know, might be social heroes and they are becoming influential in their own right. And I totally hear what you're saying that I think many of the uh, programs that are called employee advocacy uh, is just employee amplification. It's just this kind of, you know, you know, ritual kind of sharing, resharing of content um, that's come from someone else. Um, but what are the sort of examples that you can share where you talk to Daniel about these um, kind of reciprocated relationships between, um, you know, an employee and let's say an external influencer where there's been some dialogue and conversation what what are what are good conversations or meaningful interactions look like and, and any examples you can share or what what uh, do they have to always be specifically about the topic that the marketing team wants them to talk about or are there other kind of interactions that that will be beneficial as part of a, a wider program no i think that that's a great question and i would actually say the more unstructured the more um really valuable they are so for example when I look at you know individuals that are very active in terms of an employee advocate, and we look at the influencers that are in that same space. So one thing I always encourage colleagues to do is to what we call pick a swim lane. So you you can't be everything to everyone. So if your organization has you know seven lines of business, uh, please don't strive to be an employee advocate across all seven. There has to be one, maybe two that you deeply connect with on a personal and professional level, and you have you're comfortable in speaking about them. So maybe it's healthcare. Um, in that case, don't feel the need to share the rest of your your employees content, employers content, but focus on healthcare. And so we we obviously look at that, and then we map colleagues that way. Then we look at who are the healthcare influencers that we're either engaging with or aspire to engage with. And for those that we are engaging with, um, we on channels actively connect people. So for example, Astra, if you're, if you're a colleague um, and you know, Sarah's a, a thought leader in the space and I'm connected with Sarah, then I may introduce you to Sarah on Twitter or on LinkedIn or on any social channel and say, you know, and bring you together around a common conversation that's maybe being shared over a weekend over something that you're doing or perhaps a piece of content that you've shared and say have you seen sarah's latest blog this is really interesting thought you might like it and I'll it's just, these I kind of organic is, moments funny sorry i just uh my computer's flashing at me badly uh -oh. oh he's gone <laughs> oh no <laughs> i guess well, actually we didn't need him. <laughs> <laughs> poor old alistair Go on, oh, keep going, because I was listening, you were right in the thread then. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, basically, we look for these moments of authenticity and we create them. So, for example, I, I actually personally enjoy finding people to connect with one another because it helps both of you. And then both of you take it in whichever direction you choose to. And whilst one person might actually be kind of an employee and the other might be someone that we work with in a professional capacity, that doesn't mean that you can't flourish us into something else. And then we don't know where it'll take us, but then you both become part of each other's community. So if you envision that multiplying over and over, that is one of the ways that we do create kind of these authentic connections. Now, if one or the two of you choose not to take it up, that's also equally natural. So I think that's part of the beauty of it is it's not guaranteed outcomes, but it's a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I love that. Love it. Yeah. I love the whole pick your swim lane. Cause that's the thing, you know, when you say I'm connected to marketing people and you just, when you see them sharing technical content or something that does quite map to their role, you kind of think, well, what's going on here? Because oh. actually, you know, that's not, Oh, Hey, Alistair. Oh no. Sorry about that. It's Welcome just... back. Yeah. Why is my video not working? Video. Come on, let's try. <laughs> There you go. Hello. We carried on. Did you leave? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> good. Oh, this is just honestly. Sarah's always play that could me. go wrong. This is. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and I've just uh, it's, it's taking it in from a different uh, webcam now. Let's see if I can change it to the. Oh no, is it the same one? I just want to see if is it that oh, one? But Sarah, finish your thought. That was great. Sorry. I was like, did I interrupt? A, an insightful yeah, moment did. here. Honestly, we carried on. Really, we did. <laughs> In the nicest possible way. We don't need that man. No, you, you were talking about, which I think is such a key point, that when someone's channel is talking about technical content, yeah. health content, they're all over the place. It's yeah. difficult for someone to really understand who is Danielle? Yeah. What, is, what is she known for? What, what should I expect from this individual? Because you're all over the place, which is why we really enforce and say, pick a swim lane. And, and if you've mastered a swim lane and you feel really passionate about a secondary focus area, that is great. But don't go out there and be all for everyone because then you're really... Do you know what I found there, everyone. Danielle? I don't know about you, but the more that we do these programs, um, we realize that quite often employees don't know what their purpose is you know what I mean you almost got to take a step back and and actually help them understand what got them to where they are why they love what they're doing why they're in the job that they're in I mean we work with legal teams you know there's no way I could work in the legal industry I'm you know I just I couldn't study that it's not I'm not wired that way so I kind of think you know well what is it about this role that motivates you why are you in this space because that's the passion that's the difference that's and sometimes people need that unpacking because they just you're so focused just getting on with day to day that you actually forget why you are who you are and where you're where you are and um so when you say pick the swim lane quite often they're a bit like oh which one should I go in because I'm not quite sure who I am or what I want to be or where I'm going or so sometimes you have to unpack that a little bit yeah so. how important is it to kind of set the expectation right early with them that you know they're they're, they're not expected to suddenly get thousands of followers and have like loads oh, yeah. of engagement you know that what matters really is just you know like you're our expert on um you know video streaming <laughs> and uh uh, or you know, I don't know, cloud or um, you know, digital transformation or whatever it is, and these are ten you know, people who are external influencers, and you know, just connect with those ten people. And I think you know, everybody can probably do something like that. You know, that's not a daunting prospect, hopefully, for 
for someone, you know, just to try and you know, build a relationship with, with 10 people online and, you know, share content from them, with them, mm-hmm. talk to them. They don't need to suddenly get uh, thousands of, of clicks. I think often one of the problems is that a lot of these um, employee advocacy platforms have this kind of gamification system yeah. and it's all about this kind of bean counting of, you know, who got the most likes and stuff like that. And actually this, what matters is, you know, this person got, you know, maybe a thousand likes, but this person over here actually got two replies from someone who was actually really significant to us as, a, as an organization. That's far more important for us, you know, cause that, that could be a, you know, a, maybe a, a future client coming through that, that interaction. And there's often that kind of qualitative element of the, the actual relationships rather than just counting likes, um, that's missing mm. um yeah so uh yeah i don't know if, if that's uh if that's um maybe if there's some particular examples of metrics that you use to, how do you how do you measure you know who's doing a good job of this from a from an employee point of view that i think that's such a, a great question Oscar. and i i i have a mental image in my hand ahead of bean counting right now <laughs> you were talking <laughs> um but but you really you bring Stop up a great beans. point of <laughs> yes you bring up a great point though of you know, what should you measure? And, and that should be, and that's not necessarily the same thing for everyone, but are you measuring the right thing? Because, you know, sometimes you start off with a program and the first thing you think that we're going to measure is the number of shares. Well, I mean, all of a sudden you start noticing that colleagues are sharing 500 times a week, which is mm. probably not what you're aspiring for. Um, and, and so how you set that up from the beginning. And I think it should also change. I know that from our perspective, what we started measuring is very different than what we measure today because the program evolves, matures, uh, becomes much more kind of segmented. And so you start changing the different ways that you measure things. But um, I always look to measure from a perspective of value creation. Um, And value creation doesn't mean follower growth. Um, Engagement to me is much more valuable than, than follower growth. And the conversations that you're having, and when we talk with our advocates, um, Sarah, when we were talking about swim lanes and fully agree that some colleagues just don't know where to start, we always try to look at it and break it into three buckets, right? So a, a part of your time will be talking about branded content. A part of your time should be something that is who you are. What do you, what do you enjoy in life? Are you an activist around pets and, and, or nature? Or are you a runner? Um, you know, there's, what are the things that you enjoy in life and can you bring that out in what you're doing? Um, and then the last part is really your conversation. And I think when we look for KPIs, we want to really lead with that kind of conversation and engagement piece. Um, and then we do look at kind of the content that we're providing colleagues to share and <clears throat> who is sharing that content and are they the right individuals? And by right meaning, is it a natural fit that they should be sharing that because it's their passion or it's something that they have decided they want to invest in um, and they, they understand the space or are they just kind of trying to figure themselves out? So as you were saying, Sarah, which means you kind of see them a little bit all over the place mm. um, and, and don't get tripped up on KPIs that are just being given to you often. And, and I think it's important to challenge back. Often you will just be given KPIs sometimes from individuals who don't understand employee advocacy, who don't understand social media and you're measuring the wrong things and you can make decisions that are not in the best servicing servicing of your employees or the organization as a result. So it's so important that those of us in this space speak up and make the recommendations back. I recommend we measure this instead and here's why. Um, And I do find from my experience that individuals are open to that and want to hear that information and are appreciative of of it rather than kind of just 
checking the box and sending over what they want and hoping people will stop asking questions. Um, yeah, quite often we no. see, because we, we, we do uh, network map analysis and sometimes we see these um, employee advocacy programs and it really sticks out like a sore thumb sometimes on these network maps where the employee advocacy and all the engagement has been from the other employees. You know, oh, it's yeah. just like, you know, it's like, hey, you <laughs> it's know, a bit of an echo 50, chamber. Yeah, yeah. I've got 50 <laughs> likes, you know, this, you know, so the CEO posts something and then it's all likes from the loyal subjects, you know. It's like, <laughs> great, you know, so it was just this little bubble, you know, you just all spoke to each other and shared each other's stuff. And actually, you know, you didn't have any, you know, engagement from outside your own staff. You know, so yeah. it's like, but if you're just looking at numbers, think, that, that could look If successful. you go back, yeah, if you go back to the original question you had asked a few questions ago where you talked about kind of connecting employees with influencers and the whole conversation we're even having, I think as that piece comes into action, you start seeing that echo chamber diffuse exactly. and you still have those pockets of colleagues speaking to themselves. And in many situations, that's a good thing. And if, for yeah. example, in the world we are in today, right? Yeah. Colleagues around the world um, and organizations, many probably have never worked remotely before. So the opportunity for them to come together on channels and share, uh, inspire, provide tips, learnings, etc. That's probably a great reason to have an echo chamber. But when it comes to the, the employee advocacy and driving business thought leadership, that's where something like the connectivity with the influencers enables these employees to make friends and connections outside of their uh, colleague, colleague community and now you start seeing the real value because now when you start seeing those clicks and those likes you start seeing five percent come from outside next thing you know you mm. see eight percent and that's what we really like to measure and next thing you know you start seeing the influence of that individual kind of ticking up a little bit and you start yeah. looking at why that's happening and that's when it gets really exciting i think yeah <clears throat> totally based on I, w I would advocate that it's very easy to get sort of uh with the dashboards you know and you can see the thousands of likes and the millions of impressions and mm -hmm. um <clears throat> you know for social for social media practitioners we've had this for years haven't we and i think it's kind of it, it's more than that now and it's tying it into existing metrics you know so looking at so one of the metrics that a lot of our customers look at is the amount of traffic driven to a website from employees versus other sources and even taking that a step further you know looking at asset consumption uh, downloads of resources leads generated now you're starting to look at existing metrics but how it's influenced by employees um, and that's really what matters and quite often you see when you start measuring that you see employees whilst they don't drive thousands of eyeballs to the website they do drive the right ones because it's mm -hmm. those ones that are converting at a much higher rate than any other source of traffic um, even compared to brand channels you know so so <clears throat> measuring the right things i think and digging into the data beyond the dashboards is quite important for success yeah and i would add also i mean to that we also look at um, those the, i love those metrics i think those are spot on and then add we also look at attributable revenue whether it's initiated or engaged because that whole sales cycle is this crazy you know scribbled drawing nowadays but um more often than not your colleagues and through their networks are getting in front of the communities that you're looking to bring in as your future clients. And so we do look at that as well. Um, and we, and most importantly, Sarah, we share it back. Yeah. So let your employees know the value they're bringing. I mean, we know it yeah. and the leadership knows it, but let them know that, you know what, you've done all this and it's been in service of increasing our traffic to our websites by X percent or you contributed to 10% of the downloads of this critical program that we launched in the first quarter. And they love that. 
it, it helps them see how much connect the connected they are and the incremental value they're bringing to the organization above their day to day. And I think that's such an important piece. Yes, totally. And and yeah, it's uh, we mentioned already. Uh, the world has indeed changed, and uh, yeah, we're we're in very uh, different times now. Um, people who are running up employee advocacy programs, um, any practical tips for how to either keep them going or, you know, are there things they should be doing differently now? Is this actually an opportunity because there'll be some people who are just, you know, have always resisted doing anything online and now they have to, um, just maybe a couple of practical tips and recommendations from both of you, uh, just to finish our chat off on the things to try, maybe they haven't tried before things to do differently. I've got a couple of tips only because I feel inspired after talking to some customers this morning. Um, for a start, I think given the situation we're in at the minute, it's going to accelerate the adoption of digital within the business. It has to, um, you know, all those companies that were hesitant about adopting remote working, flexible working. Well, I'll guess like. what? Your hand is forced. Okay. Yes. So you are going to have to do it. Um, I think advocacy has a great place when it comes to building community. So I think what you're going to start seeing now is people using it less as a tool and more as a community base, you know, a place where people can share, engage and swap ideas. And a lot of these advocacy tools will allow you to um, create internal only content as well as content for external sharing. And I think for me, a top tip might be in this situation where we're at now, that you could start using that as a way to, um, you know, share pictures of like your home space like what how have you set yourself up what's yeah. your view what's your coffee machine look like you know you can get some community spirit going to elevate that program from being just a tool for sharing to a program for community and um and i think that in itself will increase adoption it will increase activity membership rates um you know the basic metrics to give you an indication as to how the program's going but that will then filter through right and people will get the idea and they'll they'll become socially confident in a safe environment with before letting them loose externally so you've got content internally that hmm. you know it's not going to go too far and then you can switch them on to go external so you're building that social behavior in a in a in a in a safe zone you know so um so i think that would be my top tip for now thank you absolutely love those sarah and, <laughs> and especially I, I i had a similar conversation yesterday about the future of work and the remote work and flexible work and i i, I we had the same takeaway that you know talk about kicking that into overdrive yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got so no choice. it's incredibly true so i mean i absolutely echo the idea the sense of community um one of the top tips that that i've certainly been sharing is so many of us from a colleague community have colleagues that may never have worked remotely before and may not even be engaged socially um, and to help bring them in, lend, you know, offer a, a hand, almost, you know, grab their hand and take them to the playground and um, introduce them to the community. Just and I'm seeing this first. more and more. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing this more and more now. Yes, but good point. Uh, <laughs> virtually hold their hand. But I'm seeing this more and more where, you know, someone may all of a sudden introduce, hey, to my Twitter friends, wanted to introduce you to Lucy. She's just new to Twitter and wanted to welcome her into the community. And, and then everyone kind of welcomes them in. And, and regardless of the social channel, but 
it's letting people know that there is an op- a place that they can come and colleagues are sharing exactly as you were saying, Sarah, maybe photos of their home office or a tip of the day or how I survived my first day of homeschooling while working um, and recognize that you're not alone. Um, we actually have both an internal and an external community in, in the platform we use. So 100% agree with you, Sarah. One of the things I do recommend is we've created a category that's exclusively for uh, very topical content for our clients and the communities we serve right now. Make it easy for your employees to find that content. And then equally so, the, the same type of community for them to be able to uh, communicate with one another and learn and feel a sense of commonality with one another as well. Um, and you, you'll find that more and more people will, will now be coming into that conversation and we'll be in a very different place two, three, four months from now as these colleagues have now started coming onto social media for reasons of their own. And now we have an opportunity to, to help them continue building that professionally going forward. Yeah, my recommendation doesn't sound as clever as what you said. I was going to suggest live streaming of pets or something like that. But, uh, gonna... That's fantastic. Uh, it works. I've seen so many pictures of dogs and cats sitting on laptops on LinkedIn this week. It's, uh, you know, it's just changed the whole content feed. So yeah. <laughs> I was putting, I think it's in a way that there's, there's potentially a lot of, I mean, I know it's, it's obviously overall, the whole situation is terrible, but we've got to look for positives. And I think, you know, if this actually just enables people to be a bit more, you know, more human in their, their jobs, you know, and, you know, get people to, I mean, I, I found out stuff about my colleagues already just about, you know, their, families and you know when we're all together again we'll feel a heck of a lot closer and you know united as a team so uh you know, hopefully there are some good things that can come out of it and uh, yeah so. and then one last thing i would say is you know never assist. i i always tell people if you've done something that has helped you in some way it will probably help someone else too so never think that something you've done is like, you know, oh, well, this is insignificant. Um, so many tips right now, I think, can help so many different people across the globe. And there's always someone appreciative. And the beauty of social media is obviously everyone is coming at it from a different situation. So we often kind of self-impose these views of I have to make sure it's perfect or this or that. Yeah. Um, I think now is the time to, you know, authenticity is truly what's going to help build connections because everyone is in some capacity in the same situation across the organization, across the globe. Yeah. yeah. It's a complete leveler. Yeah. So just to add yeah. some more authenticity. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. You play when you're bored on a conference call, is that what you're doing? Oh yes. <laughs> just yeah, rebuilding totally. your Star actually, Wars legacy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm just surrounded by more friends. <laughs> they're, they're all around me. <laughs> I could just imagine you just piled up with like toys and <laughs> you've got, you really have got. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It was right when the call started. I was like, everybody out. I have to yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Well, this has Love been it. an authentic uh, chat, hasn't it? So, yeah, it's been yeah. brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've absolutely loved talking with you both. Thank you so much. And there's been loads of really great uh, tips and advice there. And yes, um, hopefully it'll be uh, immediately relevant for people. And, you know, when we're hopefully out of this situation or back to normal, there'll be lots of really good things that people can carry on doing that maybe they had to learn in a hurry, um, you know, without uh, just get thrown in the deep end and have to figure it out. But uh, yeah, guidance from you guys is, is really helpful. Thank you so much. And uh, look forward to chatting again another time. You're welcome. Stay well. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.